A word of warning. This podcast may contain themes that some listeners might find distressing. Not always, but sometimes. However, this podcast will definitely contain strong language. Therefore, if neither of these things sound appealing, it's probably not the podcast for you then, is it? Well, hello again, Alex. It's been a while since I've had you on as a guest. Um, I was thinking, I was thinking about it. You're my, uh, you're my top recurring guest on the podcast. So that's um, an accolade that I now a regular bestow upon feature. You. I love that. I love that for you. I've made it, <laughs> Mom. I've made yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's hope you have higher aspirations than being a recurring guest on my on my podcast. Whilst I appreciate the uh, the honour in that, that is, uh, it is only a small podcast, but still. I am grateful for your continued return. So thank you very much for and coming I back. I am grateful for your presence. Thank you <laughs> for inviting me. No worries. Um, so I guess I guess we've already sort of started having this conversation behind the scenes, really. And I suppose just to contextualize for the listener, um, the reason I've asked to speak to Alex is obviously because he's very wise, but also he's somebody who's very much involved in trying to think about... Um, men's difficulties and men's place in the world and how uh, we think about and you know and how to think about men's well-being really um, and I suppose the 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 main kind of discussion I want to have with you Alex is about this idea that um, Andrew Tate the reason the reason that Andrew Tate for anybody who doesn't know um, Andrew Tate is a um, well I would call him a serial misogynist and potential and, and currently alleged sex trafficker but um, other people have defined him as a, a social media influencer, which he also is. But um, he's currently detained in Romania for, like I said, allegations of sex trafficking and more recently, um, historical allegations of sexual violence. Um, but the accolade of or the 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 title of influencer um, has come about due to his quite significant rise in notoriety some would say fame and popularity depending on which side of the spectrum you fall on mm. um but um but i guess there's been but since his arrest it was quite interesting actually um because i know he was quite big on social media obviously um because that's how he became popular but there was very very little about him in the general media like there wasn't much in like you know the guardian wasn't reporting on him the independent wasn't reporting on him um all those kind of newspapers there were obviously articles by other sort of more not to call them fringe but i guess maybe just less sort of um big media names but ever since his arrest there's obviously been mm. a lot more there's obviously been a lot more about him in the in the general media but anyway there's obviously been a lot of a lot of analysis and a lot of sort of opinions opinion pieces written about him um some of which i've read um and the the thing that's got me really curious is that um Amongst other things, um, one of the really sort of prominent rationales or reasons as to why, um, oh, you know, that that some of these journalists give as to why Andrew Tate has become so popular is because there's a lack of positive male role models. Mm. Um, and I guess given the work that you do, Alex, and the, given the sort of, um, I guess you're a lot more embedded in that kind of working with men and maybe sort of understanding the difficulties of men, I guess I just kind of wanted to get your views on it. So I guess, you know, I'll ask you the, I'll ask you the broad question um, mm -hmm. and then we can kind of take it from there. So I guess in your yeah. view, you know, would you say that that's a, a fairly accurate analysis that we, that men that well, young men and boys really lack positive male role models? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I've been following this as well for a while. I think I started following him as soon, like he was on a, he was on a, a YouTube dating show. Um, oh, okay. Which was, which is, yeah, which is, um, it's called grilling. And it was like, it's basically hosted by a woman who goes on these random dates with, with men with very specific and particular views and particular personalities and sometimes it's funny sometimes it's not and I came across Andrew Tate and I was like ugh like he just represents all of the things that I just I'm against entirely just to my core yeah. that sort of stuff and 
I'm going to get to your, I'm going to get, I'm going to answer your question. Don't worry. And, <laughs> it's okay. Um, don't worry. I know but, this is leading uh, up to the answer. I promise. Yeah. And um, I remember watching it and I remember, and he said something, he said some things. Um, I can't remember what he specifically said, but I remember having a conversation with one of my best friends and after it, cause we watched it together. Like, you know, just he, he, he said, watch this. I'm watching it now. Let's discuss blah, blah, blah. So we we're watching it. And I remember just feeling like a bad person like not like a bad person but more like like i had like i didn't fulfill like you'd like you'd done something wrong not even that it's more of a um i didn't feel like a man i didn't feel okay. like i didn't feel oh right got you yeah i didn't feel like i was a um like a good enough man like i, I like a, a good enough man like i didn't have money like Andrew mm-hmm. um i wasn't i'm not like i didn't physically look like him um and the way he kind of commanded himself, I was like, oh my God, like, I don't do that. I speak to people with respect and compassion and all this stuff. Is this what men should do? And it was one of those brief moments that kind of tapped back into a former version of me several years ago, um, where I was just so insecure about my masculinity that I just kind of, um, kind of crumbled under my own like fears that I wasn't living up to the standards that I've been given. And then I slapped right out of it very quickly. And I thought, <laughs> no, this man is actually doing some harm and it's in danger. And I just put it to, I just put it to, oh, he's just a person on the internet. And now to see him have blown up to this level um, and to, to system systematically and strategically get to this point, I was like, this is not, um, this is not safe. This is not good. The conversations I'm hearing in schools, I've been invited to speak to schools and, they, they they want me to come in and speak about masculinity because the boys in the school have been kind of, you know, talking about this Andrew Tate person and, you know, they need someone to come and talk to them about men's mental health and I'm the person that they came across, etc. And I'm just like, this is all very weird. Now, this all leads to the question around role models because what I really came to in the research i'm doing i'm doing a lot of research around fatherhood um doing a lot lot of research just around men's psychology um and the environmental and behavioral factors around that and i'm looking at it and from an introspective level a lot of men are very external um uh, everything that is kind of perpetuated is, is what you have what you can build what you can, your progeny, all the things that you can do that is just outside of you. Look at what I created. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've done. And um, so it's almost like almost like an external, like an external sort of um, image to kind of present to the world to kind right. of say this is like th- th- this is how I have done being a man, and this is how I have embodied manhood. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This this is what manhood looks like. This is me and me being wealthy and rich with my seven cars my bugattis my <laughs> mansion my you know my yeah. women my all this different stuff my body everything everything is all outside of me nothing okay. is speaking to the substance of who you are but when you take that kind of person and you take that idea and then you bring it and you put it in front of not very well formed boys mm-hmm you put it in front of them and they look at their dad a regular man if they Mm -hmm. have him in the house if they don't have him in the house they don't really see a male role model there for them they didn't see that Mm -hmm. they look at that they look at their thing and they and they look at him and they think you know what he is the kind of man that i want to be i want to be powerful i want to be somebody who um commands respect i want to be somebody who gets the girls i want to be somebody who has money i want to be somebody who can fight i want to be that kind of level of a man and Mm -hmm. this tends to you know and this and this has been this has been something that's been perpetuated you know even when i was at school there were people who didn't have necessarily positive role male role models in their home they looked you know in my community they looked to rappers they looked to the local the local um street man roadman sorry street man the local roadman the gangster whoever um for for their kind of reassurance of their masculinity for someone that can guide them and lead them in the, in the way mm-hmm. that can protect them and keep them safe and do all these different things. Um, 
so the answer the long you know the short answer is yes we you know it is the reason he's gaining so much traction on a, among young boys is that they're looking for that role model they're looking for somebody who can who looks young enough to be cool mm-hmm. and but old enough to be worthy of what he's saying and then yeah. wealthy richer wealthy and powerful enough to aspire to be like him um so yeah and i guess I and asp- okay so so i guess you would say that there's not necessarily so you are saying that there is a lack of positive male role models then i'm saying that the positive role models don't cut through the same okay. way that right the, got yeah. that, 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 that that the negative kind of okay so stuff does so so it's that so it's not that there aren't positive male mo- positive male role models is that positive male role models can't necessarily compete with the type of role model that somebody like Andrew Tate presents yeah. himself to be. Yeah. I remember, I remember growing up and I remember talking to my friends and you probably have similar experiences. I don't know whether you do, but there were, you know, I, I had my, my dad at home, mm-hmm. right. You know, you know, and he is my dad and he has, you know, as any parents do, they get on your nerves as kids. But I had both of them at my at home, mm-hmm. and they guided me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I never saw my dad. I never saw my dad abuse my mom. I never saw my dad um, squander money, and mm-hmm. then like you know, and then I never. My dad never left us. Um, my dad, you know, what I mean, like he was, he's there, like yeah, solid. You know, he, yeah. he was there to raise us, you know, so that obviously contributed to me getting my first part-time job getting to you know you know working with um getting onto my a levels getting into university getting out but the a lot of the boys in my year who didn't have that role model or person that could you know who could contribute to their self-esteem their positive mm-hmm. self-esteem of who they are mm-hmm. didn't do any of that and I remember having them, I remember them having conversations with me about how I was doing driving lessons and I was getting thing and they were driving cars without the license sort of thing, you know, like they had to get it quickly mm. because if they didn't, they didn't have the money to do what they wanted to do. And I think, and I think that's so interesting because I guess, you know, quite differently from you, I come from a, from a household where, um, well, I actually have two father figures in my life, I'd say, but neither of them, I would say, was stable in the sense that um, my father left when he was young. And, you know, and my, my parents have their reasons for that. And I don't begrudge them that there was a decision that they made. Um, mm-hmm. And my mother partnered up with uh, somebody else who had his own way of, I guess, considering me as his, I guess, stepson or whatever. But it wasn't necessarily... I wasn't necessarily guided by any male figure in this, in the way that you've just described. Um, but the person that I was guided by was my mother. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I guess the reason why I wanted to have this conversation is because I, I, so I hear what you're saying in the sense that whilst there might be positive male role models, they can't quite get, they can't quite almost deliver in the same way that somebody like Andrew Tate can or that somebody who embodies the similar type of way of being a man that sort of Andrew Tate sort of talks about but at the same time the other thing that I think about is that do positive role models for boys always have to be a man and like uh, and if it does have to be a man, what is it about the male role model that sort of needs to be there? Um, because, yeah, because I guess the, the thing that I sometimes think about is when when these when this commentary about boys struggling in society because um, they don't have, and I, and I guess one of the things that they sometimes talk about is single parenthood. They sort of talk about the fact that there are sometimes absent fathers um, and therefore um, they are raised in single parent households. But I guess what the inference for uh, in that for me is that sometimes it's then therefore th- that, that the mothers didn't do well enough or that the mothers couldn't provide the necessary 
I guess, molding, whatever you want to call it, for those boys to then develop into mm-hmm. um, upstanding citizens. And I guess, the and I, I'm very conscious of the fact that this is a little bit of, you know, maybe projection or if you want to use psychological language or this is me responding to, you know, um, my experience, which I think is contradictory to what all these um, sort of theories say. But I guess... I guess my I guess my question is a little bit more around I don't I guess I'm just trying to say that I don't necessarily think that boys lack positive role models whether it be male or female um because I think they exist and and they come in all different shapes and shapes and sizes and I don't always necessarily think that it has to be somebody present in the household either um because not everyone who does turn out to be um and i used and i use this phrase in sort of inverted commas like a functional member of society will always have come from a purely um i guess functional household as well there are those people as well um i've said a lot there i don't quite know if you have any thoughts on that no yeah um so you're saying okay so the first thing you said was about positive male role models yeah first and foremost and yeah you know i mean if you and i walked into a school and we started talking about compassion mindfulness empathy things of that nature yeah it will work for for a while but it worked for the, in the moment people would be like oh yeah that's something that i should do blah 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 but if we sounds like a nice in, idea yeah it sounds like a nice idea and boys <laughs> would be like blah 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 um typically i mean not yeah, all yeah. of them i'm not saying mm-hmm. that all, all of them are like this but typically probably won't land in the same way there probably would be some behavioral stuff that happens etc um especially if it's in a mixed group um it can it can happen it can work mm-hmm. my um but you know if and I use this example because my friend Richie literally just kind of uses with me, not directly to do with masculinity like this, but he was saying that he runs a karate school. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, well, how's it going? Because I've known him since primary school and he's always done karate. So he's a black belt, he teaches, he grades. Um, I was like, so how's it going? Um, he was talking about his nephew and he wants to, wants to get him into karate, but he, but he, he quit quite early on. Um, because he wants to do Mai Tai and all this different stuff and I was like oh why why did he quit like what's what's going on there and he said he said what you what you find of a lot of the boys is that they don't have the patience for the because karate is a lot about learning forms and discipline and they just want to get to the punching and the kicking and the hitting and the all that stuff mm. um so they to so the so the dropout rate is quite high okay. for boys of, of a certain age and, and what um, age is that? Do you think? What age is that? It, um, he said. He said it's looking like going into around ten, eleven. They just kind of decide that they want to go to do something which is just a, all about hitting, all about kicking, sort of stuff. Something like boxing or kickboxing, boxing, or something boxing, like boxing that. mai tai. You know okay. those kind of things. And um, he but he says that it's the girls and the women that stay, and they're the ones that kind of that he says you know they are the highest population in the karate classes that he has so his his challenge is trying to get more boys into it to kind of make them make them more excited about the about the classes and about the things that that they're doing mm-hmm. so that being said if you're going to go into a classroom if you're going to go into a classroom if you're going to go into a school um they it, it kind of that translation kind of makes sense in a sense like we're gonna if we go in and we're talking about the, the you know the inner the inner workings the innermost parts of us um especially with younger age groups they're going to be like now nah, we want to we want to know how to get the car we want to know how to mm-hmm. um get the things get the material stuff um and as they grow older i mean i've done workshops with your tens um and that was and they were they were really mature for their age so they were able to have that conversation around what it means to be a man and all this different stuff but mm-hmm. if i had a younger cohort that conversation would be a bit more challenging to have mm-hmm. with them in the same way um so that, that's one thing i would say so going when it, when it comes to the negative and positive role models it's when they i guess the younger you are it's all about image and whether you can relate to that or it's something that you aspire to be and mm-hmm. it depends on the message that's being told to you Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and is it affirming? Is it something that you're hearing every day? Is it something that you know you can see that your dad 
has said or people around you have said and then is is what they're saying affirming that you know mm-hmm. like you know so again confirmation bias yeah um your next point on does it have to be a man absolutely not it doesn't have to be a man it can be a role model but that i for identify uh, identification to relatability yeah for sure um that's something that that goes a long way when you can see mm. somebody who when you can see somebody who looks like you has similar experiences to you um can identify with you on that on that level on that mm-hmm. basis it's really important it's really important so, yeah. for yourself for yourself affirmation right yeah i, I guess it, i guess there's something about um the, yeah like you were saying the idea of somebody who looks like you who um especially i suppose potentially for um and i guess this is who we're talking about really if we're talking about role models we're talking about younger generations isn't it so we're talking about people who um that are similar in i don't know physical presentation um and and all that kind of stuff i guess maybe it just um i guess it helps but i suppose you know it might not necessarily be a hundred percent necessary um the, so what you were saying is really interesting about the about the the different stages of i guess maturity or development within the young boys where you think you are probably more able to have these sort of um more intrinsic internally focused um discussions with did you say older boys whereas the younger boys are slightly more focused on the 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 appearance and the 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 wanting of the materialistic stuff is that what you said mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so the other thing so the reason I, I bring that up is because I one of the things I've been thinking about is that whilst I think role models are important and it relates to what you were saying about um, how there are pro- how there are you know how it's not that there aren't positive role models but it's how they can't necessarily cut through the type of um uh, role model or um embodiment of success i suppose that andrew tate seems to embody one of the things that it makes me think about is that is it because that the idea of masculinity and what it means to be a man is still very much tied to, I guess, what you were saying earlier on about the external stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, to, to, to borrow a phrase from Mark Green, um, who talks a lot about dominance based masculinity and this idea, which then aligns obviously with our sort of very neoliberalist, especially here in the West, the sort of very neoliberalist capitalistic, um, you are, your status is enhanced by the higher up the hierarchical sort of chain um that you are in society and i wonder if it's i wonder if and again we you know <laughs> i'm not expecting you to have the answers but it's just it's just prompted me to think about this um i wonder if that's if it's because that kind of idea of masculinity is still kind of still very much perpetuates or is still very much ever present, even though you and I are don't necessarily uphold to that kind of status of masculinity. I'm just making assumptions here based on conversations that yeah. you and I have had in the past. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, that's not necessarily, we don't necessarily ascribe to that particular type of masculinity. And I guess that's part and parcel of the reasons why we do this kind of work and we have these conversations and we explore this kind of stuff. Um, but I'm, 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 I'm wondering if it's, if it's more so, and I, the reason I'm asking is because you have more, you have wider access to various different men's perspective and younger boys' perspective than I do. So I'm not really, I'm not really tapped into kind of the type of masculinity ideals maybe that are being sort of thought about or discussed. Um, yeah. um, a lot of my perspective comes from the fact that you know there's a very specific perspective from a West Indian, Black British environment like mm-hmm. underst- understanding you know that you know the, the black body is one of contention for a lot of people <laughs> mm-hmm. so especially when it comes to bl- the black male body or the black masculine 
it's actually quite um it's a threat wherever you go yeah. but you are then expected to be strong you're expected to be um ripped and just physically um and f- physically feared mm-hmm. um as a black man anyway so um yeah there's 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 that kind of um kind of understanding of it but you know i think that when it comes to when it comes to this um when it comes to looking at the, the like the dominant space masculinity and um the the the, the level and the, and the materialism and the things that, that come with that so when it comes to say obviously when i'm looking from a black perspective when i'm looking from that and i'm like when i said my friends grew up it was just like it was the rappers it was the yeah it was musicians it was entertainment and again that's yeah. how system systematically systematically black men have been kind of pushed towards entertainment and sport and then those were the way the role models were so you are either physically dominant and gained that in the in on the field on the court on the track or wherever and then or you were again talented in music or film or dance or whatever and you kind of gain your popularity that way mm-hmm. um and those both have material gain those both have material aspects and responses to them um and the wealthier that you and the wealthier you are the more you can flaunt it mm-hmm. and you know and we see that a lot with regards to a lot of black men who kind of who are you know black men are oversubscribed in football they're oversubscribed in football and basketball and even american football um they're oversubscribed in there as as opposed to like i was watching i was watching it the other watching basketball the other day and i was talking to my uncle and i was like like we remember all the black players but like there are white players on this court as well like but do we remember them like do they get the same kind of airtime do they get the same sort of um press no they don't because you know the black body is supposed to be feared it's supposed to be um it's dominant, dominant isn't it yeah 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 so you have that kind of fear and um and it's pushed at school. I was pushed in that direction. I was told they, they, you know, my PE teacher said he tried to make me a jock, but I just wasn't biting to the to the bait that he was kind of giving me. Um, and I was like, that was such a weird tell me at eighteen. Like that's such a strange thing to say to me to my face. Like, um, and you know, and and you're just you're just deemed to be better if you're physically dominating. Mm. Um, and Jordan Peterson has this thing where he says, you know, like um, if you have the, I keep, I keep, I almost keep misquoting him, but he basically said that you have to be have the potential for violence and the potential for fear in order. Yeah, to, I'm familiar. You know, I'm familiar. And, with and that he, quote. he said, and he, and and I've seen the way he's done it. He's like, oh, he says this predominantly to his male clients, but he says it to women too. Blah blah blah. But he was like, you know, you, you know, you have to be as if you are going to slay the dragon each day and all this different yeah. stuff, and you're in this war and you're in this fight. He says, um, and, he says it's something like it says is like you need to have the capacity for violence, but then be able to be able to control the violence because that's that's you know what you should do is control the violence but you should always be ready for violence or something like that which i yeah, think is just and, a, and, and what that yeah it's a ridiculous that's ridiculous and what, notion and what that does i mean i saw that i mean there's a there's a zen kind of quote and i think it's just a misappropriation of the zen quote and the zen quote is you um uh it's better to be a warrior in the garden than a gardener in the war yeah. Um, so, you know, you know, you can just defend your stuff, like, you know, and I think like everybody should have this kind of quality to them. They should be able to defend their stuff. And I'll never forget listening to LBC <laughs> the other day. And, you know, for the past few weeks, I've been talking about this Andrew Tate stuff, right? And I think they were having a debate. Some people were having a debate and this, this woman was talking and um, one of the guys said to her, like, oh, so if you were to, if your house was going to get, if your house was going to get robbed, um, who would have, like, who would have a better chance of survival in that situation, the robber or you? And she said, me. And I was like, okay, yeah, go on. And she said, because I know where the I know where the weapons are. It's my house. I'm going to be able to defend myself. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that, that, you, you, and that's the wording. The better chance of the thing. You know where that. You know where the stuff is hidden. You know your house. Like you can mm. defend yourself in it. And I think that's this kind of idea of this whole this threat of violence, this dominance thing. Um, and if you can kind of 
achieve all those things you've you've reached the masculine the masculinity card and mm-hmm. you've, you've you've topped the game and you've you've made it but unfortunately that's not that is not sustainable no it's not sustainable because you're consistently worried about being pushed off yeah and i and i suppose that's and i suppose that's kind of you know where my thoughts are leaning towards is that it's not it's not that there aren't any positive role models it's just that or even you know male or female or 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 non-binary folks because obviously you know that that, um they can be included in the the conversation as well absolutely 100 percent um but I guess it's, I, 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 yeah, I, I guess it's, I guess it's the idea that there is still an archetypal man that one needs to aspire to um, because, and, and again, it's someone like Andrew Tate and because it, because honestly, it just blows my mind. Um, I read, I read an article yesterday. It was like in one of the, it's like an Sunday Australian Express or something like that. I can't quite remember, but it was, they were interviewing some teenage boys. Um, and the, they were saying that, and I guess this is like, this is the, the, one of the complexities is that Andrew Tate says a lot of things. So he talks about sort of how to make money, how to, um, treat women which is awful um how to um be a man how to maintain your physique how to you know think of like a with like a warrior mindset and all this kind of stuff and um this article was saying that um some of what the andrew tate says did resonate with these boys in terms of this idea of you work hard and you get what you want and you kind of just can't you don't back down and you just you relentlessly pursue whatever it is that you want and some of them were able to say that the sort of misogynistic stuff was not um not helpful or how they would see but then some some were some were like well i don't quite agree with it but actually um you know his overall message and this was this was the interesting thing is that they saw that his overall message was more about the material gains um, and because of that, they could almost like look past the horrifically misogynistic stuff and almost yeah. be like, okay, just because I don't, um, I don't necessarily believe that, but I can, I can almost still idolize him because it's the, he's, he's representing this idea of, you know, the doggy dog dominant masculine, masculine man. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So f- for me, kind of, it feels like, and and I guess I, I guess it's also again you know one of the reasons why Jordan Peterson is so so popular is because he also you know he's a he's a unassuming yeah he's unassuming but he's also sort of like an you know he he doesn't say everything that Andrew Tate says because obviously he doesn't say things nearly as horrifically misogynistic as he does but he still I think he still has a very traditional view of men and women. Um, I, I I don't really have much evidence to back this up because I actually don't know everything that he's ever said and he's never said yeah. anything quite so blatant yeah. as as Andrew Tate. But I think from what I from what I can gather, he still very much wants to try and hold on to traditional sort of gender roles. Yeah, his whole perspective is the it's like the pure masculine traditional way of rules, yeah, regulation yeah. Yeah. and discipline. And mm. if you if you don't have discipline, you are on the path to destruction, and it's the end of your life. Catastrophe is Jesus chaos. God. That's basically his thing, right? Um, yeah. And I, but again, and I when, and I'm thinking in in the studying and looking at this 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 stuff, like a lot of men, like a lot of us need or crave that kind of discipline, that kind of direction and i think naturally though in some in some cases a lot of men are like this they're very much like i think warren farrell he's a i don't know if you know who he is but he's a phd yeah um, I've, I've got i've got the boy crisis yeah staring boy, at crisis me. Is what, boy crisis is what i was reading and he, he has some very interesting yeah uh, the, the, the reason like, the reason why the reason why i want to read the boy crisis is because exactly the reasons why i think you're cringing is because i think there is a there is a an angle 
to yeah. to what he says. I don't know what that is. So if you want to expand on it, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, his angle's interesting, and um, I think it's uncomfortable a lot of the time simply because it makes sense. But it's just when you start to look at the. I don't know. He's like a, he, you know, he defines himself as a second wave feminist and he's pretty old. He's getting up there. He's around 70 odd, which is again, not a, not a, not a, not a stain on his experience or whatever. No. Um, and it, it, I think it's uncomfortable for me reading it a lot of the time, just because I feel like it's, um, it, it kind of, it reaffirms a lot of a lot of stuff. And I feel like when I feel like I'm agreeing a bit too much, I'm a bit like, is this something it, it, it's one it's one-sided, it's one angled. But he does um he does pull from a lot of he does pull a lot of stats. He's you know, this is his life's work. It, you know, he's an academic, yeah. he's a researcher, he's done a lot of that stuff and um he's kind of been in the space for a while. So there's no reason to distrust what he's saying. Mm. But um, I think there are some bits that there are some bits that gel well, and there's some bits that don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but the things that do gel well um, is, you know, and, and I look at it and I think it's, it's kind of it's kind of hard to do certain things on a binary when it comes to yeah. the you know gender and fathers and mothers and parenting and all this different stuff, right? But he does say something along the lines of. Um, mothers and fathers um and that and that you know that can that can differ depending on whether you're in a same-sex relationship or different and you know and your different gender roles within the relationship mm-hmm. you know, i mean he does kind of because i got the updated version so he has updated it and he has okay kind of, and, he, and he has amended so many different things in, in areas but um he does say things like you know but typically the the father quote unquote is the one that sets the boundaries is the, the ones that enforces the boundaries the mother tends to set them um so you know like and I've, and i've kind of noticed this a lot on kind of social media as well which is why it's which is why it's uncomfortable because it's a reaffirming thing and i'm like oh this is funny when a when a dad when a mom is saying to a child to do something the child is really just like not listening mm. <laughs> or kind of until pushing the dad the, comes pushing in the boundary yeah. and, the, and the dad will say hey and then they'll be like stop and they will kind of do what they have to do mm. um he, warren farrow has this example of like a um a boy you know in from what he observed because i'm like a divorced family a divorced mother and father um the mom was saying that she was having trouble getting him down to bed the boy the their boy their son down to bed and um you know every time she said the bedtime's eight o'clock duh, 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 he would always push and be like oh just 10 minutes 10 more minutes 10 more minutes 10 more minutes um i don't want to go blah 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 mm. all this stuff we've taken ages to get him up the stairs and whatnot mm-hmm. um even with boundaries enforced and boundaries set um but he said that when it was the father like the father would then have the reward after the boundary was met like you can do your homework quote unquote i mean you can know we can what you can play games after you do your homework if your homework is not done by a certain time it just cuts into the time that you have to play games and mm-hmm. if you don't if you mess about and you don't do that then we're just gonna go straight to bed sort mm-hmm. of thing and it's that enforcing of the boundaries sort of stuff and everybody just enforces them differently um he has some really interesting kind of examples in his book and i think it's just mm-hmm. something worth worth listening to from worth reading um i suppose and I just like, kind of taking taking your own kind of um examples from it but again it's this whole idea of boundary setting and what that looks like for and i think and I, and I think that's i think that's interesting but i suppose one of the things that it makes me wonder about is is that because traditionally fathers have been expected to take on the more authoritarian parental role as in like it's more fear-based consequential consequent consequences led as in like mm. and well, and 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 that's and that's what's been that, yeah that's the case though because he kind of socially he, driven he does he does posit he does, that's why he says it's more like the person who kind of takes on that role in the in the parenting Okay. Sort of thing because he because he does posit that in gay relationships he does posit that in um 
in lesbian relationships. He does. Mm-hmm. Po- he says, you know, he he has a very specific chapter on that. So it's a okay. bit like, okay, cool. So because I was always thinking, hmm, yeah, but like, what about? And then I went to turn the next page, and he's answered it, and I'm like, oh, God, I can't okay. really refute this man every, all the time. But, so I guess um, what he's so I guess what he's saying that is is that within within a with, you know a, a parental dynamic, there's probably yes. going to be there's probably going to be one parent that sets the boundaries, as you said. But then the other the one that will the the one that will be the enforcer, as it were, get to bed. Yeah, okay. So it's kind of like one of those things. Um, again, that's not a that's not a blanket statement. You know, people yeah, yeah. will. You know, it does it does yeah, shift. Yeah. There are parents who kind of take on a lot of different things. Um, but yeah, no, it's um, it is it is it's, it's a very interesting thing when it comes to role models. Though I just think that um, there just needs to be. You know, as I said, they, they, you know, as, as I was saying to you off air before, that we then I have this idea, and I think you kind of said there was a theory around this. But I was reading um, a brief history of masculinity by Ivan Jablonka. Um, I've bought that by the way because you've yeah. mentioned that in a previous podcast, yeah. I think, where we did where we had a, a bit more of a chat. I've not read it yet, but it's on yeah. my it's on my to be read list for this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he basically says, you know, men have an issue of standing still, whereas women, while women have progressed in very specific areas, okay, to, you know, what I mean, and um, say more yeah. about that. And yeah, yeah I mean, so, you, I mean, you you've told me more about that, yeah, and I want yeah, you yeah. to say more about that for the listener. Yeah, um, <laughs> and, and this is his thing, but then also it's kind of it was like reconfirmed with Richard Reeves. He's an author. He's written, I think it's the Boy Gap, um, and why boys are falling behind and what we need to do about it, etc. Um, and he talks about this same thing, but the idea mm-hmm. is that while men had dominated p- particular industries with, with regards, which which you know which were centered around physicality and, you know, more men dying by the number of war, mining, all this different stuff. Um, women were striving for particular rights in particular areas <clears throat> and particular freedoms as they should have, and they should be. Uh, um, nearly all disadvantaged communities were striving for particular things in particular areas, whether that be the queer rights movements, the civil rights movements um, and the women's movements. Um, everybody's been moving in a direction. Now, if you are a man who doesn't ascribe to any of those things, you've been standing still because you've dominated most of the workforce, you've dominated most of the jobs, you've done, dominated most of the things, you are taking up this role as breadwinner in a household. So that's your purpose, that's your that's what you do. You go out, you work, you bring home the bacon and all this different stuff, right? As time has progressed, it's become less and less important for anything, less and less important for men to be able to do that because women have entered and women have gained have worked for their rights to be able to work, for example. Mm-hmm. There was a time when a teacher, if she became pregnant, she would have to give up her job, etc. Um so to be able to kind of like give them, you know, to be able to kind of work and earn a living and live their life you know mm-hmm. and, and and have economic freedom outside of a man's permission and all these different things so more and more have been entering into professions that have been dominated by men there's been a, a strategic and really important push to science to tech to economics to maths and that's the whole stem idea whereas mm-hmm. men have been standing still and um i think richard reese has this idea of the whole heel being the opposite of STEM. So it would be industries in health, in education, in, in administration and literacy, which are really underrepresented with men and have decreased dramatically over years as um, and have really maintained themselves as women dominant professions. But men have just stood still and kind of been and been pushed into areas such as well, sport, um, sport and um tech and economics mm-hmm. and business and all those different things mm-hmm. so when you start looking at the data start looking at the facts and thinking that okay while our women are going this way and, and upwards and upwards trajectory in particular area they are actively being pushed and are taking mm-hmm. on that you know that challenge to go there mm-hmm. men have been kind of standing still and they've been been surpassed in a lot of different ways whereas men aren't actually going 
upwards in the other direction is what the is what the conversation is whereas why aren't there more male nurses why aren't there more male primary teachers why aren't there more male psychologists why aren't there more male therapists etc somatic coaches all these different stuff teachers coaches, but all this different stuff why aren't they there working in the empathetic professions in professions that have been quote-unquote deemed as more feminine mm-hmm. roles um and that's 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 giving us having a big toll on a lot of boys in in education um and the development of them so and that's, guess, and that's that's the theory so and i guess and, and i guess it's a you know it's a theory that makes sense and i guess you know again coming back around to what i was saying about this is this again a consequence of this underlying perme- permeation of masculinity versus femininity and what is considered masculine and what is considered feminine and actually so you know as you as you've quite rightly said sort of women have pushed for the ability to work in more sort of uh, previously male dominated areas because actually that's you know they've wanted to do it and it's you know they wanted to expand their um reach into into various different industries but actually as you're saying mm. men are standing still but men are standing still not because the jobs are available because i can imagine that if men wanted to go be teachers, if men wanted to go be nurses, if men wanted to be involved in um, any form of healthcare or education or anything like that, there would be jobs available, right? Yeah. It's not like it's not like men are going to be discriminated on the basis of their sex or their gender, mm. but men just aren't doing it because. <laughs> I mean, the the question is probably well, the answer is probably they're not doing it because they don't think that that's a job that a man does or right. should do, and. Again, this is this this is the idea where I really struggle. I really struggle sometimes with with this idea where men think that society is against them, <laughs> or, or 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 um discriminating against them. When it's like actually, it's not. They're not discriminating against you. You have the opportunity mm-hmm. to do various different things. You're just, and again, I'm generalizing, but you're just not willing to expand the mm. expand yourself into the various opportunities that um exist you're, you're quite right that you know you know sort of yeah. women have been moving one way sort of upwards and forwards and men are just kind of just sitting here Standing and i guess still. yeah and i guess that and i guess the thing that just sort of clicked into place in my head is this idea that so because so because men and young boys maybe don't see working in in the hill i quite like that acronym in the hill um type of industries because potentially that feels too feminine or not masculine enough or whatever someone like andrew tate who says you know you can get all your money and your seven bugattis and all the all all the women that you want because again there's there's this there's this idea of ownership over things and women and you know um just almost not not really like quick cash mm. but i guess there Ownership. is a there is there the yeah, but there is also then a push for you don't have to do any of the well you don't have to well he, i guess he doesn't really s- sell you the idea of what kind of work you do but he kind of sells you this idea that you can make money really quickly and i mm. guess potentially for 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 boys and young men and again, it comes down to this sort of whole neoliberalist capitalist ideal of of um, achieving in a society that is that prides status um, through materialistic gain. Mm. He's saying that you know if you are struggling, or, or or because maybe boys feel that there aren't opportunities available to them because no one's necessarily guiding them and saying that actually it's perfectly okay to be a teacher it's perfectly reasonable to be a therapist it's perfectly reasonable to um do any of those traditionally feminine jobs Mm. um they do feel stuck but then andrew tate is offering them a you know a quick way to be successful that doesn't involve yeah you thinking about feminizing themselves yeah yeah um yeah i think um there's just yeah, there's just several things. I mean, we'll I don't as I said with the Warren Farrell stuff. Um, he, he again, there are some really good points in his book, and he does talk about the the idea. He has um, 
he challenges Maslow's hierarchy of needs and he has this hierarchy of the self-actualized non-traditional man which is really interesting which I'll get to in a minute but one thing he does say is that that when we're, when we're raising boys we should be pushing them to pursue what brings them purpose um and you know allows them to find a career that is self-sustaining and he says that a lot of men are pushed to careers that are not you take away a lot of the stuff that's automated a lot of them are careers dominated by men yeah yeah there's Um, sorry one of the it links to this so one of the things that people have sort of um i think there was a an interview i can't remember how long ago it was um it was it was on channel four news it had Mm. uh Diane Abbott and then some other guy who was an author of a book and I and I think one of the things that um, Diane Abbott mentioned was the um, deindustrialization so the idea of no longer they're, they're no longer being these sort of manualized jobs um, anymore and which is which kind of like um, especially sort of in the working class areas of England where those kind of job roles were um, more dominant uh, it's kind of left a it's kind of left a population of 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 men and young boys sort of directionless, really. And I guess yeah. that kind of speaks to what you were just saying. The purposelessness, yeah. And I think that, and I do think on a wider level, there's a, there's a whole devaluing of men's bodies. And um, it's just not framed in that way. You know, it's framed as sacrifice. It's framed as bravery. It's framed as that, but you just devalue men's bodies. You send them down to mines and they come out and they die of... Um, I don't know, some sort of poisoning. You send them to war, they lose their minds or they lose their limbs or their life. You send them to all these other things, you know, taxi driving, you know, more likely to mm. crash, kill themselves, etc. All of this stuff. So there is a devaluing there, but, you know, it's not something that a lot of people, even American football and rugby, you know, the whole idea of the concussions to head. Mm. Um, not be able to be swept under the rug and all that. Yeah, kind of stuff, all yeah. of that just kind of just being pushed aside. It's just, you know, you know, and I, and violence, I guess, stabbings. Yeah, and like, I guess that's, again, that's kind of just all driven by capitalism, material, material gain, isn't it? So, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's um, what, it's how can you, it's how can you, or what benefit does you and your body bring to the nation? How much money can we make out of out of your, out of your body? yeah it's in um, your life yeah. when the when, when the robots come we will all we will all find out you know when they're <laughs> when, when they're driverless cars and there's no more uber drivers what do we do when there's robots taking over the police force what do we like where do they go you know so it's a bit like yeah. it's the question we need to start asking ourselves um farrell's hierarchy of self-actualized non-traditional man at the bottom he says basic needs are provided for as he strives to be self-sustaining Okay. Mm-hmm. Next bit up, pursues um, learning of academic, career, and emotion skills. Next one up, belongingness and love need met by family and or a supportive community. Mm-hmm. Next one up, esteem needs met by weighing his assessment of parental, societal, and his own parental issues. And the top thing is self-actualization by contributing to others as purpose. Mm-hmm. And then that was a very interesting, when I saw that, you you'll you'll reach that part in the book when you start reading it, but it's um I was like oh, so there actually is a way around this. There actually is an option <laughs> to okay. do all these things because yeah. he he's he, he's establishing a protocol for what we need to do in order to raise a self actualized man who feels that he belongs, who feels mm-hmm. he has a purpose. You know, you push them into the areas in which they are interested in, if they are mm-hmm. interested in. Teaching. and i guess and i guess yeah, that's the thing though teach. isn't it like, and i yeah and i absolutely agree because but i guess what you were saying earlier is like we need to push boys to what they um to to what to what the oh, i can't remember what you said uh push them towards where they find purpose but i right. guess but i guess that is very much determined by their environment around them so if the if a boy is free to do that if a boy is free to make his own choices and or or is at least is guided or is you know raised in an environment where choices various choices are available and they're not narrowed down you know as as you know society is generally sort of pigeonholed either girls or boys into various lanes um 
then that then that's fine but i guess you know the the, the link between the link between oh. men standing still boys feeling purposelessness or, or sorry or boys men and young boys feeling that they have no purpose um speaks to the idea that actually they are still kind of being pushed in one direction but the options available to them aren't as uh, there aren't as many options available to them so they're kind of feeling like well what the fuck do i do now yeah and because because we're, and, and it, you know what it's this thing where those options which require the other direction are yeah. mind are knowledge work it's mind work it's yeah. very much saying you know like and i know that there was a certain level of disappointment for me in with regards to the men in my family on my maternal side in that i'm very much a knowledge worker and you know a lot of the men on my maternal side are not knowledge workers they're very much hands-on like the handy physical grafters yeah physical grafters stuff and i'm like no that was never something that i wanted to do because i was interested i was curious and i had the the mental Mm. fortitude to do that but it was like you know it's a lot of knowledge work that way and it takes time those things take time and when we're in a rush and i got a lot of time we in it we become as men a lot of the time we are in a rush for success you're in a rush mm. for that material kind of gain and material materialistic sort of stuff but yeah you know because um, again because again we're kind of sold we're kind of sold the idea that you know in order to be the 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 you know the the, the false self actualized man maybe not the maybe not the 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 Warren Farrell type of self actualized man but to be the, mm. the the man that society currently um reveres you have to have a lot of success very early on in your life very quickly and that's why and that's why people like Andrew Tate and that's why they like him because he that's why the boys and that's why they Quick that's why certain, and that's why men men tend to like him um and I know you put that really startling video up on the, that, not, the, not the video but you shared the post on your stories around oh about the boys marching uh, through uh, Greece about yeah, right, the marching through Greece I was like this is ridiculous how do you have such a cult following like this but Unreal. then you know, and then you know, so he's got he's he's got that package. And then you've got Jordan Peterson, who is clean cut, softly spoken, kill them with the kill them with the sharpness in his voice sort of guy. Mm. He has him there, who's not necessarily physically dominating, but the way he poises himself is like a snake. He will strike you in your neck. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? If you get yeah. to thing, but and then you've got the Joe Rogans who are just definitely fighters. Definitely yeah. like yeah, who's all about like you, you, you got to be the warrior mindset kind of thing. So you have those kind of people, and they and that's the image. And you know, there was a guy called Kevin Samuels. Um, yeah, I was, remember Kevin and he, Samuels, and he, and he was pretty much like the black version of Jordan Peterson, essentially. But he would spend most of his time tearing down women for their choices, and he did the same for men for sure. But it was just awful. It was, mm. and you know, and again, he built a cult following. There was a huge following, and predominantly black men who followed him and followed his mm. quote unquote teachings of what it meant to be a man, and mm. you know, and all this stuff. And there were some stuff he did talk about about lowering expectations and all this different stuff for people. But the way he, it's the way you do these things that yeah. are a problem. So yeah. Okay. Um, well, I've taken up. Quite a decent amount of your time. I feel like this is far longer than the half an hour conversation yeah, <laughs> we agreed so, to have. You know, but you know, as soon as we yeah. start talking, it's just yeah, it's never going to be a short one, is it? Yeah, it's just um, into the night. <laughs> but I guess, but I guess, just to summarize, it's not that. So it's not that there's a lack of positive role, positive male role models, or even positive role models for young men and boys. There is something about. <laughs> There is something about, I guess, still the nature of masculinity that is revered within our culture that, and well, yeah, that that people like Andrew Tate and Jordan Peterson mm. embody and make appealing, which I guess still fits because I guess there's probably quite a lot of people who think that that's what manhood is. Um, mm. But then alongside that, they appeal to sort of this these disenfranchised men because actually um 
Sure. You know, from, from what you've said, and I, I agree, there is potentially a lack of direction. There is potentially a lack of purpose because the nature of society has changed. Um, but actually part and parcel of that is also around boys not being given the opportunities to do things differently or mm. maybe, or maybe um, we as a, an, a, an older generation of men aren't making it possible for for the, the 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 for young men and boys to move in other directions, so therefore they no kind way of am I in that bracket now. No, no, no not, not you and generation, I. Older generation of men. Oh my gosh, Daniel, what really I mean, what this. I mean, what I mean is adult men. <laughs> People who you know, I, I know you say that. Well, because you said it though, didn't you? You said yeah. um, Andrew Tate is appealing because he's young enough yeah. to you know um, he stra- he he straddles that. Um, that bracket of being, you? you know, he's thirty six. Ah, see, he's our generation, man. Yeah, so exactly. So you know, so we are, maybe we're not. And I say we. When I say we, I mean the the, the general we. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah, we're nice. not. Maybe not. Maybe we're not. Um, making those opportunities more available to the young, mm. to the youth, or saying that it's okay to do it. Mm. Yep. Okay. We just, we just right. got to be louder. We got to be louder, Daniel. We got to be louder. Got to be louder. You're pretty loud, and I'm pretty loud. I don't know how much louder we have to be. I don't know. We just got to maybe just try and recruit some more people to be loud with us. Oh my gosh, we're gonna need people walking through the streets and calling our names. <laughs> yeah. yeah, chanting our names. <laughs> yeah, gosh. Okay. Um, all right, Alex. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure as always. Um, is there anything you want to sort of say about anything that you're doing at the moment? Um, you know, do you want to talk about your book again? Cause I know that, yeah. I know, I know that, you know, it's a great book. Um, yeah. And is there anything that you're currently doing that people should know about? Yeah. I mean, I'm doing a lot of things, <laughs> you know, you know, me. I'm just man of spinning many plates and trying to make sure they don't fall and cause me always problems. doing. Yes. Always. <laughs> um, yeah. So the book, is out the book has been out um go and have a look if you're interested i'm really noticing more and more that this is actually something this is the kind of book that i need in schools that need to go to school so if anybody knows um anybody in schools who would want to be talking about positive healthy masculinity emotional well-being kind of the speaking to the innermost boy um to become quote-unquote better men please hit me up um let me know what you think i just really want to get them into schools um um i my podcast is rebranding itself it's just kind of shape-shifting a little bit um is it still undergoing some change yeah it's done it's changed um and um, i don't know when this will go out so when will this go out probably next week so this week my podcast is coming out the mindful man podcast it's actually gonna be talking a lot about this stuff um you know unpacking the 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 tools for love belonging and connection in men but also looking at what makes a mindful man um and the like and we we'll be diving into things like warren farrell's idea ideas and um philosophies and kind of looking at masculinity from a compassionate view um so yeah check it out it's it's something to soften the blows of these of these uh of these forever violent but not violent men um <laughs> quote unquote um but yeah um okay well i look forward to that, that actually that sounds amazing yeah and then yeah and then just check me out on instagram I'm just trying to live trying to live a sweet life you know <laughs> <laughs> just, with you know, your with yeah. your wise words of gentle wisdom yeah i just i just i think i just try to like i never forget when i spoke to my friend one time and i said you know when, when i'm going for my crisis of masculinity when i was 26 and i was like what do you see in me what do you see about me what kind of man do you think i am and she just says you're gentle you're just a gentle man and i avoided Couldn't that agree more. yes i avoided that for years i was like i'm not really a gentle man i want to be rough and rugged and now i'm just like you know what this is life this is life for me <laughs> And, and I feel like there's a lot of people who who resonate and feel the same. And um, yeah, and I'm, and I'm just working towards speaking more about this thing. So yeah, 
check that out. Uh, my newsletter too, and yeah, keep pushing. Perfect. Uh, well, you know, for one, I'm excited to, to listen to The Mindful Man. That sounds great. Um, but yeah, um, thank you again, Alex. As always, it's been a pleasure. Um, no, and you. yeah, maybe I'll have you on again some other time soon. Of course, you know, you know, <laughs> as soon as you invite me, I'm, I'm there because I know what it's about. <laughs> okay, cool. All right. Chat to you soon. See you later. No